Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hello and welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. Really excited about the episode we have coming your way this Thursday morning. We are joined by James D. Jackson, who covers Oklahoma for the 24-7 Oklahoma website, SoonersIllustrated.com. We're going to dive into the Kansas versus Oklahoma matchup, get a better picture of what KU fans can expect from Oklahoma on Saturday. It's big noon kickoff going to be a really big atmosphere around Lawrence, around the game. I know this is one that Kansas fans have had circled for a long time. James, let's dive right into this. From Oklahoma's perspective, they've been really good this year. Mm-hmm. 7-0, went over Texas. They look much improved over last season. You're obviously around the program a bunch. Like, What has the vibe been like around Oklahoma, where I feel like this game last year, it was a much different feeling, where Oklahoma was – coming off of, I believe at that point, a blowout loss in the Red River game, really struggling. How have things changed and just what's kind of the mood been like around the team so much? Yeah, it's just a, a lot of what the situation was last year is the last coach at Resident. When they when they left, they took a lot of recruits with them. And it's at a time to where you can't get – it was late later on in the in the period, so it was just a time where you couldn't get a lot of guys in at the time because mm. they didn't know who was going to be the head coach and things like that. So – it was a scrappy team last year, just a few guys. And competitive depth is a lot of what Brent Venables has been talking about this year, about how they're going to be improved. They got guys that can back up and come in and help out when those other guys get tired. And that's been the case so far this season. That's why they're so much improved. I mean, they lost five games last year by one score. That's just because guys just got gassed at the end of the, at the end of the game. It was just, that's the situation. And now they don't have the situation. Now they're two and Oh, again, one score games and they're coming off one against UCF uh, when they get their, their quarterback back. So, I mean, just things like that have been going well for OU just having that competitive depth. Mm-hmm. is what they've talked about all season. And it's worked out great so far. Yeah. You mentioned the UCF game. Um, it was Katie's bye week. So I was, out doing other stuff, but mm-hmm. I did go back and watch chunks of that game. You know, UCF, I feel like did a good job of being able to keep it close where mm-hmm. I think against Kansas, it was kind of a snowball effect a little bit for UCF where kind of things didn't go right at the beginning. And then it really kind of compounded. what do you think of Oklahoma's performance against UCF and where'd you got to put it in the hierarchy of this season? Was it the worst performance they've had? Is it in the middle um, was it better than maybe people would think? Like, what'd you think about the way Oklahoma played against UCF? You know, no, nobody's actually even asked me that before. What, like, the grade of what that was? I, I you know, thinking about that, I, I think it was the worst performance that OU's had this season, and it's just because of, you know, coming off of that Texas game. There's a thing out here called the Texas letdown or the Texas hangover, and it's like every season, it's almost it, it kind of comes up. You know, after Texas, will they come out sluggish? Will they come out slow? And, and it, that was the case in this one, which we didn't think was going to happen. Now, granted, 
OU's only lost one game in the last 20 years after Texas, but it's just like they always start slow, and people mm-hmm. kind of expect that to come up. And it's just it was a lot of the case of that Texas win took a lot out of OU. Like they lost their deep threat receiver in Andrew Anthony on, a, on an ACL injury, so he's out for the season. He got hurt in the, in the last half of that game, and then you, they lost their right guard in that game. And they were already, you know, kind of trying to see who's the left guard on this offensive line. It was already a comparison here and there. So Caleb Schaefer at right guard and, and it's Savion Bird and, and, and Kaden Green, all those guys at left guard, they were all trying to figure out things in this game against UCF, just trying to plug guys in to get over those injuries. Yeah. And they're trying to find their way, you know, and that, and that kind of changed a lot of things for the offense, not having a deep threat receiver, not having the offensive line that you're used to, and as you know, that can that can change a lot of what an offense does. So it just started slow for OU. And then in the fourth quarter, they got ramped up. They figured some things out, and they scored 14 points there to put the game away. Yeah, you mentioned the offensive line. That was something that really stood out to me, where when I think about Oklahoma, I think about multiple draft picks along yeah. the offensive yeah. line, guys that are going to go play on Sundays. And I remember so many years of, of Oklahoma coming into Lawrence or K going down there and just – getting mauled by the Oklahoma offensive line. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but against UCF, it didn't look like maybe the same offensive line that we've seen from Oklahoma in recent years. Just what have you thought about the way that unit has played to start the season? Has it met kind of your expectations? Has it fallen short? What have you just thought about the way they've played? I mean, it's obviously they're trying to figure things out. As I've said, that was the case beforehand and they're, they're getting guys in there, but transferring in from Stanford and, you know, uh, things like that. Getting three-star guys is usually what OU does, and they develop them into you know first-round draft picks and things like that. So they have a very good development coach in, in Bill Biedenboe. It just you know that that kind of works out for them. So they kind of have that confidence that they're going to figure this out here pretty mm-hmm. soon, if not this year, at least next year. But they're doing well enough. I mean, Dylan Gabriel, the Oklahoma quarterback, has not been sacked many times. Just a handful of times that he's been on the ground. And, you know, it's just the run game has been the biggest issue for OU and trying to figure things out, but they still got a top 10 offense in the country. So, I mean, just things like that. It's still working out, even though there's those problems that, you know, Oklahoma fans see. You know, they're yeah. they're used to having these quarterbacks and these historically great offenses where they're scoring so many points a game. And it's just like now they're not historically great. They're just they're just better than most now. And, you know, so there's some panic there from OU fans. But when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, they're still pretty fine in, in certain situations. Yeah. And just generally then, you know, offensively, we know about the up-tempo, right? And I think for Kansas, that is something that has given this defense, I think, a lot of issues. It's the up-tempo style, getting to the line and really putting teams on the back foot. And KU has been put on the back foot by multiple up-tempo teams in the last kind of year and a half. For Oklahoma, right? You mentioned the run game maybe not being up to what people have expected, right? I think, Mm -hmm. again, Oklahoma running backs have been pretty good too. Yeah. Um, how are they getting around that? Because I feel like for so much of the up-tempo style, it is about blending and mixing the attack and keeping teams off balance. So how have they gone about trying to do that while not having the caliber of run game that maybe I think fans or, or people in media have been accustomed to seeing? Dylan Gabriel. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's that's exactly what it is. You see him in Heisman in Heisman uh, watch and Heisman conversation is because of what he's done with this offense. Dylan Gabriel has been the guy. Now, yeah. coming into this season, we all thought the wide receiver group was what was going to have to be the tested group because those running backs that we're talking about, they were here last year. Those, those guys were the, the second guys after Eric Gray, who, who who got drafted. 
uh, in the last draft, but they were the second guys, second and third guys, and we knew what we could expect from them. But they've just been so hurt all season long. Each week, there's another guy banged up. And, you know, the walk-on guy, Tawi Walker, has been the running back for them that's kind of been the most consistent so far this season. And he was out against UCF as well, had an in-house suspension that he had to deal with. And so we didn't really know what was going on with that. And as we said, the wide receiver group is what we thought would be the the, the weak part of this office because there were so many guys that haven't haven't had that big moment. They hadn't proved themselves. It was it was pretty much Drake Stoops and, and, and Jaleel Farouk. Those are the guys that I mean you, you all are probably familiar with uh, when you go against OU because they've been there for so long, so many mm-hmm. years. But they've all come together. It's been a really, really good system. And we talked about the wide receiver group and, and, and Dylan Gabriel, the connection he has with Nick Anderson. Every other catch so far this season for Nick Anderson has been a touchdown. And he has eight touchdowns this season. Wow. So eight touchdowns on 16 catches. His brother, his brother was a was a legend here, one of those great running backs. And now he's trying to make his own path. And he's a redshirt freshman. He's just been outstanding. And I spoke earlier about Andrew Anthony going down, their, their leading receiver, the deep threat receiver. Nick Anderson had to step up into that role last week, and he scored two touchdowns and kept the the momentum he's had all season. He's kept that going. But mm. the short answer, the short answer to your question is Dylan Gabriel. He's been that guy. He's been really, really good. His 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 knowledge and experience has paid well for OU, and it's it's just been great having him on 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 that offensive side leading the way. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Dylan Gabriel's numbers; they're they're pretty wild. You know, he's completing over seventy percent of his passes for over nine yards per an attempt, nineteen passing touchdowns to three interceptions in seven games. I mean, it is it's legit numbers, and I think from my perspective, at least, I think about Oklahoma in recent memory. Right, it is guys like you know Jalen Hurts, a Kyler Murray, dual threat quarterbacks, and. I think Gabriel can run the ball, but I think just the arm talent that he's had has been been crazy. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the Oklahoma offense then, and you're thinking about areas of concern, what have teams done when Oklahoma has had a lull in the game offensively, when they have struggled a little bit throughout the course of a game, what has it been that has led to that that maybe can give Kansas fans a little glimmer of hope that a stop or two um, can come over the course of a game? If they could find a way to get pressure on Dylan Gabriel, I mean, get him uncomfortable a little bit. Now, granted, Dylan Gabriel has started running the ball a lot more, scrambling, and that's really opened up the offense because when he does that, it's very dangerous. But as we said, getting Dylan Gabriel, getting some 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 pressure in his face because, as we said, the run game for OU hasn't been the greatest with so many guys being banged up. I mean, it, as we speak right now, it's still – Three of the four running backs are hurt. You know, they're just they're just dealing with something that's nagging them to where they can't be fully healthy. So things like that are gonna happen. You know, it's just that's the situation right now. So if KU can find a way to get pressure on Dylan Gabriel, maybe they can alter some of the things that he does because sometimes those kind of those pressures affect the rhythm of a quarterback. And you talked about those mm-hmm. three interceptions, two of those uh were, were from you know getting pressure in his face, and then wide receiver was kind of just dropping the ball, actually, is you know, kind of comes up with that. So you know, just getting pressure in his face, I think, will be the way to do it. Now, I haven't really thought about it much because, you know, you really don't look at the things that's really hurting OU when you're when you're doing so well. But mm. I think that's what that's the biggest key right now. Can that defensive line take can they can that can that KU defensive line battle out Oklahoma's offensive line right now, which is ultimately trying to figure things out, as I mentioned before. Yeah, really good point there. I think that's interesting for me, at least because I look at KU's defensive line and Early in the season, they were 
really good. And I think over the first kind of maybe five weeks, you saw them have a lot of burst. And then against, I think, UCF, it started to slip a little bit. And then I think Oklahoma State really is when you saw them get banged up. After a bye week, can they do that? Mm-hmm. I want to flip to the other side because Oklahoma has had a good offense, right? They had a good mm-hmm. offense last year. The defense last year was the issue. Mm-hmm. And Brent Venables coming in as a defensive guy, I think folks that pay attention to these things understood that the defense that Venables wants to run is really complex. And it was going to take more than one year to get guys to understand it. Yep. But I look at the run game here for Oklahoma on the defensive side. And last year, it felt like they couldn't tackle anybody. They couldn't stop anybody against the run. And now you look this year and they're the third best run defense in the conference mm-hmm. behind Texas and Cincinnati, allowing 3.4 yards per carry, only two rushing touchdowns allowed all season. Mm-hmm. Like what has allowed this defensive unit for Oklahoma to go from, I think what many would call like an embarrassing run defense last year to now one that has been really, really good. Well, there's three things. The first thing is what I've talked about earlier, competitive diff. They, they are able to sub in guys and, and not be a big drop-off, uh, really a drop-off at all based on who's in the game. Like the production is still going to be there. The second is the knowledge that this team has of Brent Venable's defense now. I mean, when you go when you go out there, you see Danny Stutzman, the, the, the ultimate linebacker, the guy that everybody pays attention to. You see him calling out the play that they're, the offense is about to run. I mean, you see almost every play. They're so prepared, and they know exactly where they need to be. And – especially when it's a run and it is it's just hard to get big runs on this uh on this defensive line and then and then thirdly i mean you you look at everything that's going on with the oklahoma defense it's it's tackling i mean they don't miss tackles like they have in the past i don't know we we haven't seen a lot of practices so we don't know the difference between what it was with the last coach regiment and what it is now but they don't miss many tackles now you know that was a big that was a big thing that we noticed coming into this season at the start it was just like man just a screen pass used to hurt Oklahoma. It used to be a screen pass, and the guy would just get out because there's just one missed tackle, and they're off to the races. And it happened against Texas last year in the 49-0 win. But you look at it now, that's not going to happen. Usually those are tackle for losses now. Those corners are not missing those tackles. And when you try to run up the gut, the linebackers are there. I mean, Danny Stessman is one of those the great linebackers I think is going to come through Oklahoma. He's, he's that type of guy now. He's already submitting his legacy with that Texas win and everything mm-hmm. that he's done. But – Every every game is, is him leading leading the team in tackles, nineteen tackles, twelve tackles. I mean, just outserve numbers, and it's just it's just so hard because of what the Oklahoma defense does on the on the defensive side and tackling and things like that plays a big part plays a big part in it. Yeah, and I know Kansas fans can relate to this comment, but it is incredible what like good coaching can do. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at what's going on out at USC defensively for them, the the missed tackles, looking small on defense, like. And then you look at the the year-over-year transformation in Oklahoma. It's a total aside that Kansas fans may not care about, but I think it's just really interesting, the fact that you can look year-over-year in the growth at Oklahoma, and Kansas fans can really relate to that with what you've seen from, I think, the offense for KU getting better year-over-year, mm-hmm. and even the defense. It's still not where it needs to be, but getting better year-over-year. Um, it is interesting to see how, I think, maybe the programs are similar in that sense, where you can just see the growth happening, and I think Oklahoma, too. Yeah, that talent, I mean that talent's showing, right? That's a good that's a good point because going into this year, we were looking at the schedule and we were like, okay, Texas is going to be the big challenge. That's the big win that OU's needed. And we looked at it and tried to rank it. It was like, man, I think Kansas is the second team that OU really has to mm-hmm. worry about. They're they're that team. And 
for so many years, it's been Kansas has been that team that you just played the following week or whatever and just got through it. Mm. And now they're they're a worrisome program. I mean, that that's something that you know OU fans are worried about. I've seen it on our message boards a lot. They're worried about Kansas and they're worried about what they can do now because they are no longer just a laughing stock of the Big 12 or however you all used to put it. They're they're a very good threat. And I think if they had Jalen Daniels for most of the season, I think their record looks significantly better and than it already is. And that's you know one of the things that OU fans have been worried about all season is is Jalen Daniels gonna play. I mean, are they gonna see him? You know, and I, so it's just things like that. I mean, Kansas has turned it around and we, you know, you give props to what they've done. Yeah, 100 percent It seems like it'll be Jason Bean playing. And I'm curious here, I want I want to hit on the passing game because I think what Jason Bean has shown to be really good at is the explosive pass. Mm -hmm. And I've got the advanced numbers here for folks watching on our YouTube channel. If you look at the numbers, right, the one area where Oklahoma's defense is maybe slipping a little bit compared to the top kind of 15 numbers you see elsewhere, it is in the passing success rate. And you look at the the total accumulative numbers, right, there, the defensive efficiency in the pass game, um, isn't necessarily the best for Oklahoma, right? About middle of the conference, about 240 yards allowed per game. Mm-hmm. Where exactly is are the, I don't know about holes, but the weakness, is it safety? Is it people attacking linebackers? Is it corners? Where have teams really tried to attack Oklahoma in the passing game and had success? This is the, this is the weird thing about stats, right? Because you see that and you think they're getting ate up in the entire game. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. It's, it's it's usually two or three big plays over the middle of the field that happen against OU, and, and it kind of just takes all the stats away. When you come, you look back at that UCF game, and I know you said you watched it, so I'm talking to the fans here. You look back at the UCF game; there were, OU's defense got four or three and outs to start that game, and then and then all of a sudden it was like an 86 yard touchdown pass on a trick play that kind of happened. There was there's a there's a big pass over the middle again that that kind of added up to their 150 or whatever it was uh, passing yards. And it's like that changed a lot of what that defense had done all, all game long. You know, they, they're they're really stout in a lot of situations. But then every game, it seems like there's one big play here, one pl- big play there that they give up, and that changes everything for that defense. But I think what you're saying, the weakness is over the middle of that field. The, the middle of the field is where it's happening at, just over the top of the linebackers and. Those safeties we thought beforehand was the best unit on this uh, Oklahoma defense. I mean, not to say they aren't. They, they've proved their way, but sometimes they can get, you know, lost here and there in a play, and that causes that big middle over the field, I mean, that big pass over the middle of the field to, to come open. And I think a lot of teams have been noticing that, and they're, they're mm. going to start scheming for that, which is what the players have been saying when we talked to them, especially just yesterday, talking to them after practice. It's like teams saw what happened. They're going to try to scheme against us now. Mm. We're going to be ready for it. Yeah. Let's wrap up here then, James. I'm curious for you, what are kind of some of the the keys or things you're looking for kind of during the game that either means Oklahoma is going to have a, a good chance of winning or if these things are happening, Oklahoma is going to have a, a maybe a chance of, of dropping this game. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hey, OU's seen Jason Bean before. You know, they, they've they they've played against him. They're familiar with him. Um, they know he's not just like that second string quarterback. I mean, he's a guy that you have to respect. So totally. That's the thing with this Oklahoma defense. They have not looked down on opponents this year. They respect everything that they do, and we talk to them. That's the situation. They're they're very respectful of Jason Bean. They're going to come out and play like a Super Bowl, as they, as they said. That's what they're really focused on, trying to stop Jason Bean and stop that offense. And if they do that, which is what they've done for most of the season, that, that Oklahoma defense has been the identity of this team, it's going to make it a lot easier for Dylan Gabriel to go out there and light a defense up. And that's that's been the case so far this year. And 
I think that's what it's going to have to come down to again, is that defense stopping Kansas, getting on them early so that Dylan Gabriel can go to work. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the first quarter of this game is going to, you know, no duh, right? One quarter of the game is going to decide the rest of it. Yeah, but no, yeah. I think it really is like the way this first quarter plays out. If if Oklahoma can, you know, get a a, a score, a quick stop, and a score, like that's mm-hmm. tough to come back from for KU. And conversely, if KU scores first, gets a stop, and scores again, yeah, that's going to be a good spot too for KU. So I think the way the the first quarter plays out sets the game state. Mm-hmm. I think KU is really going to try and take the air out of the ball and really limit the amount of possessions. But James, hey, thanks a bunch for joining us today. Where can the Kansas fans find you so they can check out all your work? Yeah, you can find me at James D Jackson 15 on, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. And all of our work is on Sooners Illustrated 24 seven sports, same site you're on. Go check us out. We're all there. Love it. Thanks a bunch, James. We'll see you Saturday. Thanks for having me. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.